And now, a word from our sponsors. Gabriella Balcom won the right to have a novel published by Clarendon House Publishing when one of her stories was voted best in the anthology in which it appeared. Her book, On the Wings of Ideas, came out following this. What's your favorite genre? Fantasy? Horror? Sci-fi? Romance? Literary fiction? This multi-genre collection of short stories includes all of that and more and has something for everyone. Gabriella's stories will alternately move you and bring you to tears, captivate or horrify you, and have you on the edge of your seat. Don't miss out. Be sure to get a copy today. Submissions are now open until August 1st for the Sweetie Cat Press Anthology, The Whole Wide World. The submissions should be episodes of no more than 3,000 words and as few as 50 words about the worldwide adventures of Detective Curly Knucklewad and his assistant, Miss Wanda Wowser, as they go on a manhunt for the unknown thief of the limp noodle sauce recipe stolen from the secret government food laboratory in San Francisco. Submission guidelines are in the blog section of the Sweetie Cat Press website at sweetiecatpress.com. That's sweetiecatpress.com. S-W-E-E-T-Y-C-A-T-P-R-E-S-S dot com. Gabriella Balcom's thrilling sci-fi novella, The Return. The world doesn't know about the compound hidden underground and the wealthy investors funding it want things to stay that way. Although it's the year 2027, most of the facility's research is illegal. If animal rights activists had an inkling of what went on, they'd clamor for justice. Human rights activists would scream from the rooftops. By the time 2030 arrives, researchers have worked for a while with feline service units and human replicas. HRs, who are virtual prisoners with no rights. More and more of them are dying and they long for freedom. Surprisingly, one of the top scientists isn't happy with the status quo either. Tensions are mounting and things are not as they appear. Summertime is here, and the best way to beat the heat is with these great deals at MythMart.com. Join the adventure with sisters Emma and Olivia as they journey through the land of imagination in search of Yoon, the magical unicorn, in David K. Montoya's The Missing Unicorn and the Land of the Zombie Fairies. Or travel with poet Christopher Bice as he shares his thoughts on love, death, inspiration, and madness in Escaping the Darkness, Running from My Dreams. If fantasy romance is more your speed, join Celeste and Merrick as they figure out how to defeat the evil Ren doll while they figure out the plans of the elders in Stephanie J. Vardy's The Chosen. Like comic books? We got them too! Hot Off the Press is American Smash by Alan Russo and David K. Montoya for $4.99. Or enjoy our older releases like The Hunter's Exodus for only $2.99. Also, just in time for the summer are these other hot deals like Zoe M. Montoya's Uni Whale t-shirt, blue for boys and pink for girls, only $33.99. Or Lupus Bits the Podcast shirt for $27.99. For all our art lovers, we have something for you too with our prints and lithographs. Check out the Ed Vickford collection for $15 each or enjoy the art of Vincent May for $15. We have everything you'll need to stay inside and beat the summertime heat at MythMart.com. 
For more information, go to www.mythmart.com. Call us at 870-557-2612 or email sales at mythmart.com. And now, enjoy this free JZO Modcast show. Welcome to the Grindhouse Sleaze. I am your host, Alan Russo. I'm Dave Montoya. All right, ladies and gents. Yeah, if you want to call yourselves ladies and gents. Tonight we got a a special movie. Most people hate it. Most people hate the director. Me personally, I like it. What do you think? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So tonight, or today, whatever, how you want to look at it, we are talking about House of a Thousand Corpses. Most people don't like Rob Zombie. I think he's got his pluses and minuses. But you got to understand, look at where he's from originally. Right. I mean, he is from Salem, Massachusetts, or just outside. Watching House of a Thousand Corpses... Initially, I was like, what the hell did I just watch? (laughs) (laughs) But then at the same time, after the second and third viewing, I noticed a lot of similarities to other movies. Oh, really? There's one that pops into my head Uh that I don't know if you noticed. It reminds me a lot of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You think about the original you know, they're on their little road trip. They stop at the little barbecue place. You know, they're trying to find their grandparents' place. Uh-huh. He tells them, you know, oh, I don't have any gas, whatever. But with Captain Spaulding, he tells them the story of Dr. Satan. Dr. Satan! <laughs> so that piques their interest because of what they're looking for. Yes. So they head out that way, pick up a hitchhiker. Baby, uh-huh. The same opening as Texas Channel Master, just in reverse order. Ah. Because if you go back to Texas Chainsaw, they pick up the hitchhiker first. And then he cuts his hand, wipes it across the van. Then they pull into the gas station. And of course... Gas station guys like, well, you know, you don't want to go poke around someplace that you're not wanted. And they say, you know, well, it's my grandfather's place. Yeah. At the beginning. Well, House of Thousand Corpses, they do their little thing, take the little ride. And he's like, why the hell would you want to go see an old tree? Kind of the same concept. And then they pick up Baby. And then, you know, she's like, well, I'll take you home, you know, take me home, whatever. 
And that's when the fun begins <laughs> of the house for thousand corpses. You know, there's something that I didn't notice right off the bat. And then I actually went in and checked on it. It's tiny. Now, have you seen big fish? Yes. You know, the giant big fish. Right. That's tiny. That's the same dude. Yeah. Yeah. And if you look at Tiny's character, his stature, you know, wearing the mask and all that. So Tiny's character really reminds me of Leatherface. Yes. In aspects. Because he wears the mask and all that mask. But then you, when you look at characters such as Baby, Mama Firefly, you know, some of those other characters aren't in Texas Chainsaw. But compared to Texas Chainsaw, this is happening in the 70s. You know, everybody's got TV. You know, you're getting all the local stations. It's not really in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. At the beginning. So you would think it was watching it. But then it's like, you know, these girls were disappeared from Ruggsville High School. Well, you know, they're in Ruggsville, you know, even the house. So you would think that. Captain Spaulding's and all that because he advertises so much can't be that far out of Rugsville, you know, like one exit off the interstate. Right. But the interesting part is once you get in to the house, the one brother, and I can't think of his name right off the top of my head, the one with the tow truck. Rufus Jr. You know, with him, he doesn't have a huge part. I mean, he really doesn't. No. No. Now, Mama Firefly, Baby, and Captain Tiny Spaulding. a little bit, Captain Spaulding, and then the brother, the other brother. Mm. What's his name? I know who you're talking about. Yeah, Bill Mosley. Otis. 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 Otis's character was interesting because with Otis's character, it wasn't just him growing up like that. Like he was really. Twisted, homicidal. Uh, yeah. yeah. But then at the same time, when you get later into the movie and you he makes Fish Boy, it makes you wonder how much stuff that's in Captain Spaulding's restaurant, or, I mean, gas station, did Otis make? I instantly assumed it was all of them. Right. And that's what I was thinking, too. Especially when you get into The Devil's Rejects. I mean, because Baby's character kind of stayed the same all the way through. Yeah. You know, she was the hot sister, you know. She liked to play with her victims. Mm -hmm. You know, stuff like that. But Otis, through all three, you know, he got a little bit deeper, little bit deeper. And the longer he go into the three films, his mind got more and more twisted. Yeah. You know, he got to that point. It's like, you've tried a thousand times. You're not going to kill me. (laughs) So he thought he was larger than life. And that development came more in Devil's Rejects. Yeah. I I I think think that's that's where where they they really really grew to to more more realistic realistic characters. characters. Right. I mean, if you contain everything into a house, thousand corpses, it's a decent story with a crap ending, in my <laughs> yeah. opinion. Yeah. 
because it's like, you know, she escapes all that stuff. And then it's like Captain Spaulding picks her up. Otis jumps from the back seat. Yeah. So it kind of, you know, it ties together that Captain Spaulding's in on the whole thing. Because up until that point, he's like, you know, what would I want to do with these kids? Yada, yada, yada. I just drew him a map. When you get to it at the end, you realize he drew that map particularly. Yeah. Because at that point, you know, up until there at the end, the way it looked was like, he just figured he'd go down there, get lost, turn around and come back. And that's the way he explained to the cops. And then you realize at the very end, he intentionally sent him down that road. Yeah. And then once you get into Devil's Rejects, then you realize that Captain Spaulding's their daddy. Yeah. Everything underground. Yeah. It was all confusing because it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't doesn't fit. Right. Other than the fact that they, she was put down there to meet Dr. Satan. Dr. Dr. Satan! Satan! Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) You know, to show that he's alive and well and all that mess. You know, when you look at the whole thing with Dr. Satan, it doesn't fit. I mean, that's what they were there for, but it doesn't make any sense on how he ties into the family. The only thing I can gather and, you know, just piecing it together was Dr. Satan was like Grandpa in Texas Chainsaw. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Just for the simple fact that they knew the family knew so much intimate knowledge of Dr. Satan when they were talking about him at the dinner table. Yeah. So, you know, when you go back and look at the influence of Texas Chainsaw, the whole thing was he was the best of the best of killing the cows. Yeah. When you look at it from Dr. Satan's point of view, that's why the family was as twisted as they were. Which totally makes sense. You know, that they lured people there so he can continue with his experiments. That kind of goes along with the zombie dwellers. Yeah. You know, that kind of makes sense with those because, you know, he should have been dead. So did he figure out a way to live longer? I mean, because they don't explain it. So there's a lot of what? You know, what are we watching? What what does this have to do with everything else? But when you continue with the House of a Thousand Corpses series, mm-hmm. they never go back to explain Dr. Satan at all. It's like he's just gone. Yeah. You know, so they come in, they shoot up the house, burn it to the ground. Otis, baby, Dr. Sp- you know, Captain Spaulding, they're gone. And it continues from there. So it's like, did they find Dr. Satan? Or is he still there? Was he there to begin with? The whole Dr. Satan thing, it fits if they would have explained it more. Yeah. There's too many plot holes about Dr. Satan. I agree. Because he fits perfectly, but then it's like, how does he fit? You know, because they drop her down in the well and all that mess. And so, you know, she's running through the tunnels and she meets up with Dr. Satan. That works perfect, but why is he there? Why is he under the ground? What does he have to do with the storyline other than that's who they came to find? And so they took him to him. Right. Yeah. 
It's like, is he family? Is, you know, are they protecting him? What? Just that particular plot point doesn't make any sense. And I love how Baby teased about, you know, run little rabbit and uh-huh. all that stuff. It was neat. It was a neat taunting, but it's like visually it was even better because she was in a rabbit suit. Right. You know, I mean, there's a few things that's like, it makes you wonder if you were taking psychedelics watching this thing. (laughs) (laughs) Because as you're watching it and you're listening to baby and Otis and stuff like that, you're like, okay, I'm lost because you go from one thing to something else. And Otis is on this rant. Like he's watching, like you're watching a video live, and Otis is on this rant. You're like, who the hell is he talking to? Is is this rant, is he filming this rant to put out there personal satisfaction, whatever? Or is it more of a, I put that rant in there, his mind, like I said, you know, is it his mind that we're diving deeper into? All of a sudden, he goes into that rant, but the rant makes sense. You know, when you go beyond the rant, you know, it's just kind of one of those, you know, floating into it. It's just weird. But the rant worked because you can kind of see more into his mind and how he felt on everything. Yes. And the one scene that, to me, didn't quite fit everything else is when they went to the liquor store. Because when they go into the liquor store, you never see him. Drink the alcohol. Now I'm thinking about it. Oh, yeah. It's just kind of they go in there, you know, they flirt with the guy, do their little thing, and then they're back. You know, so it's like as you're watching the movie with the guy at the liquor store, Captain Spaulding and all that, you can tell that they're well known in that area. But the biggest thing is there's no continuation of certain plot points. You know, some of the plot points is like, here it is, then they go to something else. It jumped around. A lot of the jumping around was confusing. But I think the reason why it jumped around the way it did Uh is to confuse the audience. You think it was purpose? Yeah. Well, I mean, even the family made no sense, if you think about it. Because Mama Firefly... You know, one minute she's like, oh, this is my baby. Nah, 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 nah. And then she's like, batshit crazy. <laughs> yeah. The kill scene for the cops, that was final because you weren't expecting it. Well, no, that not that like the actual first time you see them kill somebody? Yes. I mean, you see the dead bodies. Well, no, because when they make Fish Boy, you can see him carve him up. Yeah, that's true. Otis did it. Yeah. But, you know, and you see all the dead bodies laying around in the, in the garage out back and stuff like that. Other than, do you know, Otis doing for Fish Boy, you don't actually see a kill. No. Until that point. And, you know, but you weren't expecting it because you're thinking, you know, Mama Fireflies just going to talk to him, get flirt him out them, of there. Yeah. yeah, flirt with him, get him out of there. And then something happens, he turns his head Blam. Right in the freaking carotid. Yeah. And then, you know, Otis comes around the corner. You know, you're not paying attention. The other deputy opens up the garage. 
the old the older cop you know he's with him it's his daughter hanging there right and then you know it ensued from that point what was your favorite part of the movie i wouldn't say i had a favorite part because it was all so confusing i like the opening I, my favorite part, believe it or not, when Otis came down Halloween night and he had the dad skin, he, not only did he have the, the face, but he literally like skinned the dad's chest. Yeah. Yeah. And he was just delivering this mind blowing tirade. It wasn't even a monologue. It was like a tirade. And you're like, what the hell is going on? And then at first, right. when the when the daughter sees the skin of her father, she's thinking, "Oh, dad, dad," you know. And there was that glimmer of yeah. hope. And then she just like complete yep. horror when she realized that wasn't her dad. It might have it might have been the outer layer of her dad, but that I thought was just like it really that went dark on so many levels. And for me, it that's what, that was my it favorite. Really movie. did. I like the opening because you come in and they're just talking, bullshitting around, stuff like that. Uh-huh. And then he's like, you know, don't clog my toilet and all that bullshit. And the two guys come in to rob him. And it's like, oh, yeah, he ain't taking no <laughs> shit. <laughs> and then it's like, damn, he got blood all over my favorite clown suit. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'll count to three. That was good. It was a good opening. It made a world. I mean, it, it gave a good premise of what you're really going to see throughout the rest of the movie. I mean, it was you look at it and it was like you didn't know if Captain Spaulding was going to be a major character, minor character, something in between. Right. Or if he was going to be like a floating type character. Yeah, my uh, another part we're jumping back to the beginning where the guy's like, I'm gonna count to three. He's like, F you, asshole. And uh, he's like, One. And he's like, Screw your mama. Two. Screw <laughs> your sister. And then he's like, Three. Screw your grandma. I was just like, I was dying. That was great. I mean, that, that yeah. was some great yeah. dialogue. <laughs> right. And then last of all, <laughs> fuck you. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that was boom, like boom, perfect. boom. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad the way they interweaved Captain Spaulding through the rest of the movie, too. Yes. Just for the simple fact, he was a good floating character. Because the last time the kids were seen, they were at his gas station. So that's where they started. Right. Once the cops once the cops get to the house or the firefly house, realize what's going on, they die. She escapes, get away from everything. Here comes Captain Spaulding again. And then notice. And then you see where Captain Spaulding ties into the Firefly family. Right. Well, I mean, again, like you said, you don't find out that he's the actual father until until uh, right. Devil's Rejects. Right. And then, you know, once you get into the Devil's Rejects and get to the ending, you're thinking, okay, that's where they're going to end it. You know, they're done. And then they do Three from Hell, where they survive. It's like, holy shit. (laughs) 
Now, do you want to do? I know it's a little early to ask, but do you want to do Devil's Rejects for next episode, or do you want to do the uh, the Romero movie? I think we'll do the Romero movie first, and then we'll come back to Devil's Rejects. Okay, that way, so we can dive a little bit more deeper. You know, give me some time to do some investigation. You know, I like to look it up my stuff. You and your Dr. Pepper. But it's zero, so yes. <laughs> <clears throat> For people that don't know, I live in California, Russo lives in Arkansas, and I had not had a soda in five years. Uh, my family and I decided last year in 2020 to to drive and, and see Russo and his family. So we drove, you know, basically cross-country, and, you know, you can't really get tea bottle on the go so i started drinking soda again and it's been almost a year to the day and i can't i'm addicted to soda again yep damn it but at least it's zero sugar this is true they didn't have that back when you know (laughs) back in the early 2000s yeah (laughs) back when we go through a case of these in like 12 hours heck yeah okay so with dr satan which will also be appearing at Scarefair October 30th at the San Bernardino Fairground. He, I, I wanted to talk about his robotic arms because I, I that kind of confused me too, because you could see the straps hanging down from the, the wall or from the, the ceiling onto the right. metal, the metal like spider arms and I was going to throw that out to you. What does that make any sense whatsoever? No, none. I mean, it was a cool visual. It was a very cool visual, right. but there was no, no reason because you're like, no, that that shit looked heavy. So you're like, well, he's trying to operate. He's trying to do brain surgery, and he's got these things that are like, it, it reminded me of a marionette. That's what it reminded me of. Right, and it's like it, make, it makes you wonder if the arms were controlled by his brain you know like if he would think something the arms would move and things of that nature so basically like his arms were shot because he was so old that it was like yeah honestly they should do an entire movie i know it's because they made the movie back they actually filmed it back in 1999 do you know the history behind this the movie do you know what happened i remember some of but not all of it universal approached rob zombie to make a movie and Rob Zombie filmed the movie in 1999, House of a Thousand Corpses, gave it to the executive. And the CEO of Universal Studios said, no, this is not going out to release. They, they go, they'll get an NC-17. We can't show it. It was a waste of money. They housed it. A year later, Rob Zombie came in and purchased the rights himself. He bought the movie and then he quickly just you know, passed it around and Lionsgate picked it up and that's how it came out. Even though it was shot in 1999. He did. What was it? Hellbilly deluxe. Mm -hmm. It was the album that went with the movie. Yes. Yes, it did. And which was, you know, and it was supposed to be released simultaneously as the official soundtrack. I was going to say, if you turn it down and pop in the CD, it, it just worked, it, you know. Right. 
But that was the thing. It was the official soundtrack. And, you know, even the song Pussy Liquor fit where that scene was at the liquor store. Yeah. Well, yeah. If you're listening, if you're listening yeah. to the CD, as they walk in the liquor store, that song starts to play. Yeah. If you're listening to the CD along with the movie. But that song's also playing in the movie in that scene in the background. They just turn it down low enough where you didn't, you know, you just kind of heard the tone, but not really the, the lyrics. Yeah, it was more of a hum than anything. Yeah. You know, of course, if you listen to CD, they take what Baby says in the movie and incorporate it into the song. Which part? Uh, when they talks about I get fucked up too. Oh, yeah, yeah. With Goober. Yeah. <laughs> it's supposed to be Geober. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they incorporated that into the song. And then, like I said, you know, the soundtrack or the album came out before the movie ever did. Right. Well, yeah, because it, it came out. When did Hillbilly come out? Hillbilly came out in 99. Was it 99? I think so. Let me look it up. Okay, yeah, it was his directorial debut. I thought it was because didn't he after he did House of a Thousand Corpses, he he went in and didn't he direct that animated uh was it like Super Bisto or something like that? It was an animated short about a, a luchador. I think so, something like that. And then yeah, because I'm trying to remember. I know he did some animation, but I don't know if they actually let him direct again until it was neither. It was, I want to say it was, it was uh, Devil's Reject. And then after Devil's Rejects, then he, he did the Halloween one and two. Right. But as far as like having any other, I don't know. I, I don't know when he started doing his own stuff. Like, you know, he did 31. And uh, what was it? Queens of Salem. Was it Queens of Salem? I think so. Something like that. Um, okay. Right the House of a Thousand Corpses soundtrack uh-huh. released in 2003. Okay. And then the movie also released in 2003. Okay. So they came out at the same time. Because I'm looking here and it's uh, White Zombie More Than Human. He did the short video. Right. Then Rob Zombie did a short video in 98. Dragula. Then Super Bisto in 99. So I'm assuming that these these short videos are were music videos. Probably. That's what they're talking about. And then he he did House of a Thousand Corpses. And then uh Devil's Rejects. He did a grindhouse. The the fake trailer segment, Werewolf Woman of the SS and Grindhouse, the movie. Yeah. He directed that. Really? And then uh, he did Halloween 1, Halloween 2. And then he did The Haunted World of El Super Bistol. And then he actually directed an episode of CSI Miami. <laughs> Uh, he did an, uh, a short video, Wool Light, The Torture. Uh, in 2012, he did Lords of Salem. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm kind of jumping now. He did a documentary about 
this is the zombie horror picture show documentary. Then in 2016, he did 31, which was something very interesting. I, I like that concept. I really did. I did. Ending was a little interesting. The, the ending to me was the same type of ending that this movie had. House of a Thousand Corpses. Yeah. And, but uh, in 31, there was rules. So it's like, did he break the rules or not? Right. At the end of 31. They were found so out. it makes you wonder. And now he's doing a Monsters reboot. I don't know if it's going to be a movie or a TV show, but I don't supposed know. supposed to be a movie. Is it? Yeah. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Sherry Moon Zombie is going to be Morticia. No, that's the Adams family. Lily is. Lily. It's a comedy drama horror. <laughs> <laughs> and the only one casted so far is Sherry Moon. Is she really? I yeah. didn't even I didn't even click on it. I really didn't. Yeah. She's the only one casted right now as Lillian Munster. <laughs> oh shit, I was just kidding. <laughs> I was just kidding. Wow. <laughs> I mean, it's Sherry. I mean, she's in all of his movies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Isn't that where she met him? Was on the, the House of a Thousand Corpses? No, they've been dating since the 80s. Oh, were they? Yeah. Okay. Because I noticed that was one of the things that caught my attention was that it just said Sherry Moon. There was no zombie to it. So they were still. Right. Yeah. They've been together for a while. I don't know. I'd have to look exactly how far. So I just was still looking through it. House of a Thousand Corpses, even though it was said it was a house of a thousand corpses, if you actually count how many people, only 14 people got killed in that movie. Right. And that even though the Universal Studios did, you know, rejected the movie, they did do the House of a Thousand Corpses Halloween haunt where they actually consulted Rob Zombie on it. Okay. Rob Zombie and Sherry have been together since 93. Oh, okay. They got married in 2002. So that's how long they've been together. So they've only been married. Well, not only, but I mean, or not. They've only been married nine years. 19. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It feels 19 years. It feels it does feel like 2012, but that was 10 years ago almost. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. They've been together for 28 years. Holy crap. No. Yeah. Yeah. 19 plus nine. Yeah. 28. <laughs> I had to do my math on that one. So they've been yeah. together for a while. I didn't realize that. I thought that they had met, you know, had bound around there. So. Yeah. No, they got married right after a house, the house of corpses. Because if you go back and look at some of his artwork for some of his old albums. Uh-huh. She's on the, she's on the discs. Oh, really? Yeah. She's also in some of his videos. I didn't know that either. Yeah. She was always like a background dancer, that kind of thing. Is that what she was? Because I don't remember in any other movie other yeah. than... Yeah. she. According to what I was just reading, she became active in 96, which was three years after they met. She, I'm looking at IMDb. Uh, it says Toolbox Murders. I don't know. I've never seen that. I've never even heard of it. Right. Have you? I've heard of it. Uh, she was trying to do a, be an MTV VJ. Oh, really? Yeah. But became preoccupied with Rob Zombie being on tour with White Zombie. 
He took Moon on as a dancer, where she also choreographed routines and created costumes for the tours. Moon appeared in 11 of Zombie's solo music videos. Holy crap. And an additional four previous to that when he fronted White Zombie. She is most famously starred in Cabinet of Dr. Calgary themed video Living Dead Girl. Oh, that was her? Yeah. Moon appeared on the cover of the single in 98. And then his album American Made Music to Strip By and also the cover on the, of the single for Demon Speeding. Well, I mean, if you got a good thing, use it. Right. But this is, from what I'm reading, her first movie was House of Thousand Corpses. But that laugh, man. <laughs> that laugh drove me right? <laughs> I don't know if that was like digitally altered or that was like legitimately her laugh. But holy crap. I think it was digitally altered. I hope so. For his sake, I hope so. Right. Uh, Toolbox Murders is the only film she has been in that was not directed by Rob Zombie. Huh. I'm curious to see now. Right. She's done some pretty good stuff. Here's a question for you. Jumping back to Devil's Rejects. Did they... Whatever happened to the gas station? I guess they just left it. They never actually went on with it, right? I mean, it was right. It was never mentioned again. No, it's like as soon as it, it's like at the beginning, you know, you had that whole sex scene with Captain Spaulding, and then it's like they left, and you never hear about the gas station again. Yeah, yeah. There, I mean, that's that's an opening for another movie right there. Right. It was like, oh shit, I gotta go, and he took off. Interesting. And that was it. You know, because obviously I, I don't know. It's just it seems I'm trying to patch together. I, I, I'm just trying to patch them like obviously he was like a known celebrity or a local celebrity, you know, right. They had the, the what, what do you call it? The house of uh, the house of murders. Yeah, something like that. And I was cracking up. I didn't realize this until watching it this time. Is it was I, I, for some reason I always thought it was like when they got into the, the thing they they were on the conveyor belt and it kind of pulled them through, but it was that yeah. one freaky looking guy who they never even said who he was, um, right? Was pushing them like pushing manually yeah. pushing them. I thought that right. was actually hysterical. Yeah, you know, because the only time you you see him besides when he's pushing them is when he comes in the door and busts the dude in the head, and that's it, huh? Yeah. And they never explained his character. No, it was like he was like a one and done character. Well, even the other character at the very beginning. I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but he was a one and done character. Oh, the one that was talking about uh, putting things up his ass or something like that. Yeah. 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 The one he told not to clog up the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> He didn't get, I thought he got killed. No, did he? I thought he got shot by the one that the guy was, they, they, what were they calling him? Little wiki or little dicky or something. Yeah. 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 Him. I thought he shot him. I can't remember if he shot him or shot at him. 
It's been a few days since I watched it. You just watched it today. <laughs> this is true. And you don't even remember. <laughs> it, it really took a lot to process. Yeah. I mean, it was a, it's a good movie, but it's all over the place. It is. It is. It was. I don't know. I don't know how to. I think you have to. In order to appreciate it, you have to be around to have seen 70s horror. Yeah. Because it's a, it is that backside of the drive-in B horror, you know that what you would call, you know, grindhouse films. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. With uh, gratuitous boob shots, right? And I mean, and, it, that's one of those movies that your parents would not let you watch. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. As a parent, I would not yeah, let my kids those, watch. You know, that's the one you snuck into the drive-in at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> yeah. Okay, here's a question for you. What was Dr. Wolfenstein? Because you're talking about the beginning. I was sitting there thinking about it. Dr. Wolfenstein, what was his thing? He was a uh, horror movie host. He is more like, uh, if you want to really get into it, like a Spengoli or Joe Bob Briggs, you know, something like that. That's what he was. But I mean, to the story, what was, I mean, he really wasn't anything to the story. Not exactly. Other than the fact that, you know, he was a filler on the TV for the most part. Yeah. You know, this particular TV channel was showing horror films all night long for Halloween. And I think that's all it was, was just kind of like a filler. Maybe like an ode to the old school, you know, local B. Yeah. Yeah, you that makes know, sense. like your old virus and stuff like that. You know, it's like if you if you paid attention, it's like they were talking about, you know, then it goes back to Dr. Whatever's creature feature. You know, it's just kind of like a, a blip to keep your attention that these cheerleaders have disappeared. Right. And then they go back into his whole thing. And I think it was just like filler. Yeah, I just, again, I, I would love to have, well, again, and this isn't actually a plug for or for or a PCE Scarefare again, but <laughs> Dr. Satan is going to be there. And um, maybe I'll ask him some questions to kind of get to figure out. I bet you five bucks he probably doesn't know either. Probably not. And another plug, I don't know if I should announce it here, but. Go ahead. PCE Scarefare. If you are a horror host fan, we have signed the contract for Joe Bob Briggs. Yes. Yes, we did. He, he will be at PCE Scarefare. That that was uh, I'm not even going to try to sugarcoat that. That was took some effort. Yeah, but we got it done. So I went and checked uh, the interwebs. The character pushing the cart. His name was Ravelli, and it says Ravelli is a fictional henchman sidekick and a minor character featured in the 2003 Grindhouse horror film House of a Thousand Corpses. He was played by Erwin Keyes. It says hmm. Ravelli's first name is unknown, was the sidekick of Captain Spaulding and could usually be found standing outside Captain Spaulding's Museum of Monsters and, Ma and Mad Men. He used a sledgehammer to fell a rob a robber named 
killer Carl, enabling Captain Spalding the chance to finish him off. He also attended Spalding's guest on his murder ride attractions. That's it. There's no... Hey, nothing else. No. You don't know what happens to him. Yeah. That's just like, he's one of those characters. And technically, he's still alive, according to this uh, fandom website. But unfortunately, (laughs) I know that um, Erwin Keyes passed away back in like 2015. Right. I'm just looking to see if there's anything I can find here. They say it's uh, a combination of The Hills Have Eyes and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Hmm. And as you can probably tell, by the way, I am no longer getting that feedback. So that's why I can talk, 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 talk without tripping over myself because I can hear myself talk as I'm speaking. There wasn't a a delay in one ear and a delay in the other ear. Uh, Lion Gate. That movie budget was $7 million back in 2099 or 2099, 1999. It only grossed $16 million. I mean, it it did more than double, but $16 million? Really, it wasn't that well received, was it? Uh Uh-uh. I think it was more of an underground cult classic the guy that plays stucky uh michael pollard yeah he's the one from the very beginning i didn't realize he had died two years ago i didn't know he died either yeah he died in 2019 it's uh stucky is a friend of captain spaulding and a frequent guest at the, the captain spaulding's museum of monsters and madmen stucky enjoys collecting vintage ph- photographs of nude starlets he entertained Spalding by telling him a tale about his friend who had a doctor, a Dr. Zeus toy figure stuck up his ass. <laughs> he really was in a whole lot of stuff. It says that he's deceased by virtue of timeline era. <laughs> so he was just a friend. Yeah. But looking at Michael Pollard's like filmography. Uh-huh. He really wasn't in a whole lot of movies. I mean, he was, but he played a lot of bit characters. So do you remember your outro? Yep, I remember it very clearly. Very cool. You don't need to go looking for the monsters under your bed because they're all in your head. Very nice. (laughs) I'm Alan Russo. I'm Dave Montoya. I hope you all have a good night. See you next time. See you next time.